Welcome to the Crime of the Century podcast, where we expose higher education as a scam that it is. I'm Kevin Prendeville, and I believe that because of what we're teaching our students, we're losing an entire generation. And today, as always, we'll be diving headfirst into controversial subjects undaunted by political correctness. Now, the American Renaissance is on its way here. Whether it's made in the image of man or God is up to us. And it's up to the learned to form this country and reform it in an image that resembles or is a reflection of what this country was founded on and those principles. Now, we have kicked God out of our schools and in our, out of our government, so we'll see where it goes. But if we don't get him back, we will suffer the consequences of the crime of the century. All right, so let's lay the groundwork for uh, today's episode. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit uh, of history in the beginning to really get a bearing on what it means for a nation, a country, or a culture to go through a renaissance. And the word truly means rebirth or to rediscover, a reimagining of what is. And Obviously, when we mean the Renaissance, we mean the time period usually in the 1350s or so, just about after the uh, Black Plague, to uh, about the 1500s, 1540 ish, 1550, where uh, scientific practice really takes off. Um, but you obviously have a lot of the um, a lot of the religiosity in Europe. About the time of the Reformation is when the uh, Renaissance ends. And what did the 1300s look like? Why did that happen? Well, we have to go all the way back to Rome and rather the fall of Rome. Now, Rome at that time was a Christian nation. Uh, Jesus lived, was killed by the Romans, and roughly 200 years later or so, you had uh, Constantine, who had been a great emperor in Rome, uh, though he was a dictator, more or less, he really did a lot to not only promote Christianity, but then uh, to the point where the old Roman religion was actually outlawed. And the story goes is that he was about to fight a battle against a very tough opponent in Gaul, uh, the Germanic tribe, and he looked in the sky and there was a cross, and uh, it said, by this sign conquer. So he ordered all of his troops to paint a red cross on their shields, and they ended up winning the battle, winning the campaign, and this is the conversion of Constantine. And from that, really, he established the church in Rome and did a lot to Christianize Europe, and we forget, but Africa and the Middle East as well, North Africa and the Middle East. Now, why is this all important? Well, when Rome fell, to uh, the Germans, who were always mucking up history, especially in Europe. The uh, Germanic barbarians, uh, who were uncultured, petty, you can't, there aren't enough adjectives to describe the savagery of, 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 of the Germanic tribes. They came in, they sacked Rome, they defeated it, they robbed it, they, they defeated Western Rome, smashed it into bits, uh, the Franks, the Vandals, the Angles, a lot, uh, there are five separate Germanic tribes that 
took their dominion of Europe. Though they were paganistic, they didn't kill a whole lot of the Christians that had come out of the Christianized Rome. The Christians that were left worked to uh, turn the Germanic tribes into Christian tribes. And a couple hundred years later, in what would be known as the Dark Ages, a period between Rome and the Renaissance, uh, you know, medieval knights and all those good old stories with King Arthur, and I'm sure now we think of dragons and all the great castles were built in France, even though now they're being vandalized and um, desecrated, unfortunately. Uh, we still have a few of them standing, and they are... Um, testaments to a very, very strange age in Europe where we don't have a whole lot of records until about the 800s. Um, and it's, it's a very full, we can, we can relate to the ancient civilizations like Rome with waterways and aqueducts and uh, public libraries. And we can at least get a kind of a mental picture of, of Rome. But the Dark Ages, especially the early Dark Ages where you had princes running around and just murdering whoever, taking women, uh, and unfortunately in some cases children, because uh, of course by the time you were 15 you were middle age anyways. But the idea that, uh, and why it's called the Dark Ages is because so many advances in the Western world that Rome had helped uh, perpetuate. You know, the recipe for concrete, how to build arches, how to, you know, how to achieve great wonders in the world were all lost. The Germans didn't have that technology. They didn't care. They cared about destroying it and taking whatever gold was inside. Almost like almost like a, a, a bear going after a honey hive. They just want to open it up, eat all the delicious stuff inside and leave. And what happened in the 1300s out of this was the great intellectual class coming to a different understanding of the Bible, especially after the Black Plague, because a lot of what had become known as Christianity, which was straight line, follow the Pope, follow the Church, almost like how people view Islam now. And, you know, it was okay to kill heathens, it's okay to, to murder anyone who doesn't believe what you believe. That was Christianity in the Dark Ages. Well, in the Renaissance, we didn't throw God out, we didn't throw religion out, we didn't get rid of that as we did in the 60s, in the 1960s. It was more of, I want to understand God in a new light. And the idea of a God that loves and cares about human beings and a rediscovery of the human or Holy Spirit through us, what is consciousness? All these questions started to develop among the higher class. And they would express this through art. It's where we get a lot of the, uh, and, and, and without, uh, it started in Italy, uh, namely the, you know, with the Catholic Church and uh, in Venice and, and the northern part of Italy. Uh, you have these great artists, you know, Michelangelo and as, uh, as Terry Bradshaw calls him, Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it's, you know who I'm talking about. Um, you have these great works of art, you know, of, of, uh, that come from this time period. And it, for the most part, either honors God or tries to paint human beings in a good 
light. The Mona Lisa, though it isn't very obviously, you know, it's not a, a godly painting. It's not uh, God and man, you know, the famous photo where God touches man with his finger. It's not the Sistine Chapel. It is a reflection of beauty, whoever Mona Lisa was. Uh, da Vinci thought she was beautiful, painted her, and from that we look at it and we see what kind of talent it took to capture a human face like that on, a, on an oil canvas. And the point I want to make about art, God, the Dark Ages and coming out of that before we move to the modern age and get to the crux of why this is part of the crime of the century is that it was a rediscovery of human creation. Now, there were houses in the Dark Ages, there were cities, uh, Paris, Lyon, uh, you know, Berlin existed, though it didn't look anything. I mean, it was very small. Eastern Europe was not, was not developed. Not that the Russians are developed nowadays, but it wasn't very developed. Um, you know, the, 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 the Moors had conquered Spain, so it looked oddly Mediterranean, but the idea of art to, or anything to glorify God and to not, art to not tell a story but to reflect something symbolic, something that's deeper with inside the human conscious, started a slow but necessary process which led to the Enlightenment because we start to have these ideas uh, about science and well, science isn't necessarily against religion as it had been seen in the Dark Ages as this sort of mysticism and we need to stay away from that because it's not in the Bible and so because of that, you know, we need to shun scientists and, you know, you get the weird alchemists and, uh, you know, leech therapies and uh, very ineffective things that the ancient worlds would have laughed at because they already figured all this stuff out but the Germans messed everything up. And so in the, in the 1300s, you start to have this, and, and as we move into the 1400s, you start to have this, this ideas in the higher class of, well, you know, maybe, maybe we should look at, at, at scientific fact. Maybe we should look at mathematical ideals and not throw out the theology of the past 400 years in the Dark Ages. You know, you had great theological thinkers in the Renaissance, too, who were looking at the Bible and seeing what it said about humanity and not just how to live. What it said about conscious and how we should view the world. From that, to get to the Enlightenment, we have the idea that man in the West, specifically in the Western culture, marked by the Renaissance, and what manifested in the Enlightenment was that man is inherently free. We can observe it in nature that things have the freedom to die, that there is no providential fingers that are, there is no fate. You are not running on a track. There is such a thing as a truth. Whether or not you accept it is up to you. And that's very key because it came back to how our government works, how our society and how our schooling works, where now we understand, okay, the government's purpose isn't to dominate and keep the populace in an orderly fashion so much as it is to regulate natural law or recognize natural law and create justifications for the laws that it decrees, the government.
which is a flip from the medieval era, which was you had a king who was anointed by God, and he stood and he made decrees and he raised the taxes and the statesmen ran the country. Instead, it was people are free to do business with each other. People are free to love, hate, and war with each other. People are, at the center of it, free to an extent. I mean, you can't run somebody's kid over and, 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 and have no consequence to that. That's not what I'm saying. But you are free to express yourself through whatever means you deem necessary, and if it's wrong, not valid, or the society doesn't accept it, they'll reject you. That's fine. That, that, that's a consequence. And so now that we're in another dark age of that really started, I would argue, after World War II, of technologicalism, where we are so focused on the new thing that's out there. We are so focused on the magic pill. We are so focused on how much money I can get. And I'm not talking like I'm some sort of dirty, smelly hippie where I'm saying you don't need it. No, 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 no. Wealth and money is very important because life is hell without capital, one. And two, wealth and money is how we interact with the worlds around us and the potential that we all possess. So it's necessary. So is the freedom of business to use that capital constructively to interact with that potential. We could talk on end about that philosophical point. That's I'm not saying you don't need it, but why are we idolatrizing money? Why do we think that it is some sort of moral standard? And, and that is, I think, why, in part, we have a younger generation who grows up and feels so empty because there is no moral standard. There's no... The, 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 the church has failed to say, here's what a human could be and present somebody who's living righteous. Instead, it's a trend-chasing church that conforms to the flesh whether, rather than the other side or uh, the other way around when flesh conforms to the church and to God. And it leads to a very unenlightened populace. And I don't mean we're not smart. I, you know, reach in your pocket and pull out your iPhone. I mean, that, that thing is powerful beyond our wildest dreams. We have the ability to create, and we always will. We will always have technological advances. But to bless ourselves with the enlightened knowledge of a higher power and the freedom and dignity of man is not something that has always existed. From... We, I, I glossed over it, but between the Enlightenment and uh, and the Renaissance was a period of, of about 400 years. And then it didn't even manifest itself. The Enlightenment ended in about 1750. America wasn't a country until 1783 uh, with the formal constitution um, and as we would know it today. That, that is a long time. That is a lot of generations. That is a lot of people. Now, through technological advancements, tech, uh, uh, communication has sped up to the point where things happen much quicker. The Ven Venezuela has gone from democracy to dictatorship, about to go back to, I think, a republic, maybe a democracy, in a matter of you know five years or six years. That 
is a lot quicker than you know the traditional 50 years or so for that or 75 years regardless it doesn't mean we're enlightened still it doesn't mean we're smart it doesn't mean we understand the world in a way that makes sense that we can sustain ourselves on everything that's built by man is going to decay at some point I don't care what it is you can you can find me a rusted Rolls-Royce it doesn't matter how nice it is how much it costs at one point what its value is to somebody else at some point it will rot there's very there are very few buildings that still stand from from that time period that aren't desecrated or falling apart in some way now my point in saying that I'm not talking about architecture my point in saying that is that there is something deeper in the world than just things but we are taught quite the opposite which is life is how then you die so if you take that idea and we talked about it about eight weeks ago might as well die right what's there to live for if, if you're just gonna die anyways and there's just things and that's where you see all the ads about and, and, and quotes on Instagram about just enjoy life you know life is a journey just enjoy it why don't we focus on accomplishing something to glorify somebody else to glorify something else and that's how we're gonna start to fix this that's how we're gonna actually start the second American Renaissance really comes down to how many ways can we get the government out of our lives now uh, there are a few things that I talk about and I will be rolling out a, a financial course in about a month and one of the things we're going to talk about is how intrusive taxation is and why it's not only necessary to minimize it today but hopefully eliminate it tomorrow in a way that we can use practically uh, in our own lives I'm not talking about lobbying the government now that does bring me to the other point we can still for the time being vote we still have a voice we still can hopefully not elect idiots but it seems like the congressmen and women don't know what they're doing or don't have a respect for the Constitution or where it came from and lastly to truly bring this into what it is and why it is the crime of the century or part of it is to understand that university college should be built should be funded not to indoctrinate not to get another job its purpose is to go deeper on philosophical topics and really as a product of the enlightenment perpetuate the philosophies of men like John Locke and we talked a little bit about Rousseau and he's more of the moderate left's view uh, of the world and we have forgotten those people and replaced them with with Karl Marx and whoever whoever came up with the, the gender theory and it's all like a silicon paste over everything that that is just we see it we know it's fake we know it's not there and therefore we don't need college or university right away now if you want to be a doctor if you want to get somewhere where you can't readily pay somebody to mentor you where you can be the apprentice to somebody I, I I understand that but we don't need to go into fifty thousand dollars of debt to get a job that doesn't pay that debt uh, does that make sense and so when we build 
a resume focused on accomplishments, what we have accomplished for somebody else. That is where we really start to see the value in life. What can I do for somebody else? What can I do for the world? What can I leave here with? And truly, through that structure, live on forever. But that's been robbed from the younger generation. That's been robbed from the millennials. And it, it, it's a terrible feeling because millennials are angry and they don't know at what. You know, people say it's it's white men they're angry at or it's, it's uh, uh, toxic masculinity or all of the buzzwords of the far left that they want to use. Millennials are angry, I believe, because they're lost. You got no money, you got a bunch of debt, and all we've ever heard is about how evil America is. So you got no hope. You got, you got the thing that, that allows you to create is gone. That, that, that government structure that we talked about that allows you to express yourself in a freedom of, of, of commerce and trade, that's gone. Because if we think America's evil, we're throwing that out the window. We've thrown God out the window, so there's no rock there to stand on. Of course you're going to be angry. Why am I here? Somebody tell me. And all we're left with is outrage at the next thing. And that's something that we can fix by creating for somebody else. But until we realize that, it'll continue to be part of the crime of the century. Hey guys, I just got the proof copy of my new book, Smoke and Mirrors, which is live on Amazon right now. And it's about the financial situation in this country. And that's the reason for the title, Smoke and Mirrors. It goes over the Federal Reserve, goes over the banks, goes over the government and financial institutions and their infiltration of our wallets and our finances. It goes over the mindset needed to break free from a lot of the conditioning and bad habits that have perpetuated in our society. Go ahead and pick it up right now, only $9.99. And let me tell you what, if you order it from my site, I'm also going to give you a half hour free webinar going over some of the topics on mindset and some of the strategies to make those dreams a reality.